Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. The first of all the opera is here inside my mind. What's up, everyone? You are watching slash listening, unfortunately, to the Command Zone podcast. Yeah, we missed that one note real I'm, bad. Uh, I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. It's one of the great musicals of all time. Yeah, sorry, Mr. Weber. Yeah, how's it? Uh, it's Josh Lee Kwai. He's rolling over his grave. Yeah, he's just like, what is happening? <laughs> the Phantom of the Opera is not here. It is not in my mind. the Phantom of the Premonition is. Yes. Oh, there we go. That's the connection today's episode because we are reviewing and doing the budget upgrade guide for the second Commander Precon from Kaldheim. Phantom Premonition. It's a fun little white blue deck. It's yeah, really it's an Azorius Fortel deck. Uh, we're doing what we did for the Elvish Empire deck, which is the same exercise. We're going to open up this precon, break down the stats, then suggest 10 cards you should add and 10 to take out for around a $25 budget so you can get this deck up to speed and ready to rumble with quote-unquote real decks <laughs> as soon as possible. Yeah, for 25 bucks or less, definitely a great time to do it. Upgrade these decks. They're brand new. They've got some great cards. This one especially has some really good cards, and you're going to want to bolster. <laughs> See, it's a mechanic. Maybe not bolster, but you're going to want to help out this deck uh, and buy the cards that we talk about today. And if you're going to get them anyway, then why not go on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Just type that URL into your browser or your phone and blam you're on the website, you're using our affiliate code, and you're supporting the podcast, and you're getting everything that you need, most importantly, for your Magic collection. I love Card Kingdom. They've got great shipping, great deals on all of their cards, as well as great customer service. So if you need a place to go to to you know, guarantee that your shipment's going to get to you prim and proper, safe and sound, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. 
Prim and proper. Yeah. <laughs> also, don't put any bolster into this deck. Yeah, it's uh, not going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to protect all your cards, which we know you do want to do that, because when you get them, you want them to retain their value, stay in mint condition. The best way to protect all of your game pieces is with Ultra Pro products. That's the company that Jimmy and I trust our own personal collections to. You want to take those cards, put them in a nice Pro Gloss Eclipse sleeve as soon yeah. as you get them. Make sure you play them onto a sweet Ultra Pro playmat or put them in a nice satin tower, or maybe a mythic collection deck box. Also, they have a call themed fancy deck boxes they have like oh, a snow yeah. one yeah i'm looking around but we don't have one on set right here but we do have one in my office that pretty will cool. show one on screen they look really really cool ultra Pro always uh, coming out with new products so if you want to support the show supporting our sponsors is the way to go and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone all kinds of cool perks mm -hmm. one of which is you get to speak with jimmy and i on our discord each and every day yeah we answer tons of your questions and we also just address a lot of the commonly asked things in the community and talk about the behind the scenes processes for stuff like game nights extra turns lots of great information there not to mention our community is great they have so much awesome advice in the deck doctor section uh in terms of like talking about these new upgrade guides as well every time they come out we definitely have a channel in the discord to discuss them so do that and of course we also do one special thing where we shout out a lucky patron every single episode so this week's episode is dedicated, dedicated to tim langerman 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 tim <laughs> you rock we said your name every different way, so one of them was probably correct. Exactly. All right, let's get into the main topic here, the Phantom Premonition Budget Upgrade Guide. Again, the rules are 10 cards are going to go in, 10 we're going to suggest you take out, and the total budget is $25. But in order to make those decisions, we have to analyze the deck first so that we know the context for why we want to add cards and we want, why we want to take them out. Yeah. Uh, and the first card to analyze is, of course, the new commander, the lead singer that's on the front of the box. The Phantom of the Opera himself. <laughs> it is Renar, or Ranar, Renar probably, the Ever Watchful. Two white and a blue for a legendary creature, a Spirit Warrior, and it's a 2-3 with Flying and Vigilance. The first card you foretell each turn costs zero to foretell. Woo. Free. Free. Whenever you exile one or more cards from your hand and or permanents from the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying. So this is Foretell Matters, the deck. Yeah, it's got a lot going on, actually. Mm -hmm. So obviously it says foretell in it, so that's important. Uh, you save two mana, basically, because you can always foretell for two. Right. Uh, and it does say... The first card you foretell on each turn, so if you could somehow foretell on other people's turns, we'll get to that later, ah, you can gain even more mana, yeah. Right. Um, but it also wants you to exile cards from your hand or permanents from the battlefield. And it's any permanent. It's not just your own permanent. Oh, so if you pass to exile something? Yep, you would yeah. get a 1-1 one, one spirit creature token flying. And that's the third part of this deck, which is it also has a token creation aspect to it hmm. so this deck is pulling in a lot of directions right foretell cards blink slash flicker seems to be something you'll you'll want to do but mm -hmm. then also token creation playing around with that as a payoff and making sure maybe you can use those tokens in some way or maybe win with them by attacking yeah interesting i mean at the core of it this is a white blue deck that isn't about basically control 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 right and it's something that i've talked about a lot so this one is kind of about the, yeah exiling stuff making a bunch of tokens it, white and blue, obviously the flicker colors is where Brago lives. So I think that's that's the direction that I would be pulled in, of course. But we have to talk about a lot of the cards in here because there are a bunch of new cards as well that might change the direction that the deck goes. Yeah, so as we talked about with the Elvish Empire deck, 
they've kind of changed these mini precons a little bit in this iteration in that there are a lot more new cards than there were in the Commander Legends or the Zendikar Rising mini mm-hmm. precons. So this deck has, what is the seven new cards? Eight, if you count the Commander? Yeah. So let's talk about the new cards really quickly. A couple of them we've we've covered in our various set reviews, but a couple we have not. Yep. Um, the first one is Cosmic Intervention. Do you want to read it, Jimmy? Yeah, this one's an exciting one. This is the one that probably are the most hyped card that from White that we talked about, right? Yeah. Three and a White for an instant. If a permanent you control would be put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn, exile it instead. Return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. And of course, this does have foretell. So you pay two mana to exile it from your hand face down, and you can cast it for one and a white on a later turn as long as it's legal to cast it. So it's an instant anytime you want. So this is a way to save your own board from a board wipe, um, maybe your own board wipe. We have talked about it extensively on the set review, which we'll put the thumbnail up um, on the YouTube video. But if you go back to our Caltime set review, you'll hear us talk about a lot of different uses for the card. I think it's one of the more powerful white cards from the entire set and a good card. And obviously it has foretell here, so it's going to be good here. Yeah, uh, four mana for an instant in white is I think like they're kind of putting all the power cards for like, you know, when it comes to three and a red for something big, three and a white for something big. That sort of is where I think they're balancing. Like this is where we're going to put it in, not two or three mana because that seems to bust older formats. So four mana seems like the right spot for these cards these days. But the foretell is really important here because the fact that you can sort of pay two of that early and Mm -hmm. put it on layaway and then pay two more later. And the fact that you usually want to use this um, you want either want to hold the mana open to respond when somebody board wipes or something, or mm-hmm. use this in conjunction with your own board wipe, which gets pretty mana intensive if you had to pay five for your board wipe or four for your board wipe. Then four for this, you need eight mana. But because you right. can par- pay part of that cost early, you can maybe do that for six mana or just only have to hold two mana open to kind of protect yourself uh, when you've got your board set up. So I, I th- that's why I think this card is good is because of the foretell. Yeah, and it pairs really well with the commander, obviously. Board wipe plus cosmic intervention with Renar out. You're making a ton of one one white creature spoken for times but they also will die to a board wipe so it's interesting it's it's kind of a combo but it also isn't yeah you'll save your normal board lose the spirits but you'll be happy i think to yeah. have saved your board also yeah you're right it does exile the creatures you've got and bring them back so you'll make spirits when cosmic intervention actually goes off actually you'll make spirit because we should have said this when we talked oh, about right. renar point renar says whenever you exile one or more cards from your hand or permanents from the battlefield. So any single instance of exiling will only count as one spirit. Yep. So if a card exiles four things at once, you get one spirit. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so let's talk about the next new card, which is another card that we talked about on our set review. Not super exciting. We'll just go over it real quick here. Hero of Bretagard. Bretagard. Two in the white. It's a 1-1 creature human warrior, and it has similar text to Renar. So whenever you exile one or more cards from your hand and or permanent form from the battlefield, put that many plus one plus one counters on Hero of Bretagard. Um, and as long as Hero of Bretagard has five or more counters on it, it has flying and is an angel in addition to its other types. If it somehow has 10 or more counters on it, it has indestructible and is a god in addition to its other types. So one key line of text here that's different. It says, put that many plus one plus one counters on Hero of Bretagard. Uh, and we just talked about this with Renar. You only get one spirit if you exile four things at once. For Hero of Bredegard, you exile four things at once. Boom, it's going to get four counters. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a payoff for exiling things, though. Yeah. So again, similar to Renar. Uh, the next one's an interesting card. We talked about it with some people on Twitter recently, Jimmy. Yeah. It's called Stoic Farmer. It's very stoic indeed. It's white ramp in a lot of ways. We've seen similar effects like this in the past. Uh, this one is a four mana, three in the white dwarf peasant, three, three. 
When it enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic planes card and reveal it. If an opponent controls more lands from you, than you, put it onto the battlefield tapped. Otherwise, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Now, four mana for that effect obviously is a lot, but this has the same foretell cost as Cosmic Intervention. So two to foretell it, and then one in the white to cast it on a later turn, as long as you're casting at a legal speed. So this is a creature, so it needs to be sorcery speed during your main phases. I'm not super impressed with this card. I don't like that it has the... It has double conditions, kind of. You can only get a basic right. planes, and somebody has to have more lands than you. And it's four mana. Yes, you can pay two and then two, but you can't do that on the same turn. Um, but it's still fine, and especially in this deck, because this deck is, spoiler alert, going to be at least partially <laughs> about blinking things. Right. This is a decent blink target. At the very least, right. draws your planes into your hands if you have the most lands, which your mono white, you probably do not have the most lands. Yeah, and I guess the only upside that I can see that I like is that because you're able to cast it on a later turn, it's not like on you know turn two for a lot of decks. It's like I can cast a rampant growth guaranteed to get a land out. For white, if you're in the wrong turn order, you may not be able to have access to that. Maybe you have to foretell this wait till a later turn and then pay two mana you're still paying two more mana than your fellow mono green players or your just green players in general so it does have it looks way better on the surface i think than it actually is and then the next card is another foretell matters card it's called sage of beyond yeah this one's actually pretty interesting this one definitely is good for the deck it's five blue blue for a five five with flying a spirit giant which is kind of scary if you think about it giants <laughs> flying uh, it says spells you cast from anywhere other than your hand cost two less to cast. So foretell in a nutshell there. Yep. And you can foretell, foretell this card as well. It costs four and a blue mana after you pay the initial foretell cost. So from seven mana down to five, and then this makes all of your foretell casts two less. Yeah, it's interesting because it pairs well with Raynar. Raynar says, all right, when you put it into foretell, you you don't have to pay the mana. And then this says, okay, when you cast it from the exile where it's foretold onto the battlefield... Now you get this now extra you get discount. This extra discount. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great because it's not as good if it's discounting the first part because Raynar's already discounting that to zero. Yep. Yeah. So I it's, like that. It's kind of a bummer though because two of the cards we just talked about, Stoic Farmer and Cosmic Intervention, they don't actually get the full mana reduction from it because they can only reduce one. Uh, even though it says you get two less mana, those the, the foretell costs are one in the white, so it just costs a white. So it doesn't actually make it too cheaper in those cases. Yeah, it will only um, discount the the generic cost it will mm -hmm. not discount the colored cost of foretell spells and a lot of foretell spells are like you know one color and one or even just one color so it's not going to work on yep. all your foretell cards yeah yep. in fact looking at the rest of the foretell cards that we're about to talk about it only works with two of them in terms of the full reduction which is kind of funny uh, Spectral Deluge is the next new card. It's four blue blue for a sorcery. Return each creature your opponent's controlled with toughness X or less to its owner's hand, where X is the number of islands you control. And you can foretell this as well, but the foretell cost is one blue blue instead of four blue blue. So, And that's actually pretty, pretty sweet, I think. A three mana bounce every creature your opponent's controlled with toughness X or less, depending on how many islands you have. Yeah, there's a card maybe we should have talked about in the set review. Uh, for mono blue decks and maybe two color blue decks, this is going to be very powerful because three mana bounce your opponent's stuff, but not yours yeah. is like cyclonic rifty territory. Obviously it's creatures only, right? Yep. So it's not as good as cyclonic rift, which is great because that card is probably a little too good. Uh, but I think this is going to see some play when people foretell things, there's going to be certain cards, Mystic Reflection, this, Doomscar, those are going to be the ones you're thinking about, probably. Yeah, and this is very similar to Engulf the Shore, which is a pretty powerful card. So again, being able to bounce all that stuff for three mana and then play something on top of it while they, your opponent's rebuild seems pretty pretty good place to be. Or just get attacks in, right? Because they got no blockers left? Yep. Yep. 
Uh, next up, we have Tale of the Ancestors, three and the blue for a sorcery. Each player with fewer cards in hand than the player with the most cards in hand draws cards equal to the difference. And you can foretell this as well, and it only costs one and a blue to do that. So this is a, I have one card in my hand, Josh has two cards in his hand, Cash is over there with 20 cards. Boom, we all draw cards equal to that difference to get up to the same amount as him. Most likely, though, you're probably doing this for three, four cards. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. So the person who has the most cards doesn't get any cards. Everybody else gets some cards. Catch up, yeah. Unless they're tied, I suppose. Yeah, it's just unfortunate this card is in blue. Because if you're in blue, then you're more likely to be one of the <laughs> players with more of the cards, right? Yeah, I would assume so. Unless they're more like, hey, you're playing this in the white-blue deck, and now you need some help. I wish this was in another color. It is a bit of a bummer. It definitely would help a mono-red deck or a mono-white deck like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, red is a wheel color. This seems like it would have better fit in the red. It, at least red would like it better. Blue's like, yeah, fine, I'll take that. But we've got plenty of uh, yeah. effects that do similar things. And it's funny, too, because white's thing is always like, if your opponent has more lands than you, and Tales of the Ancestors, like, if your opponents have more cards than you, but That's white actually a really good point. Doesn't get access to that. Yeah, it could. Be, it feels like it could be white. We could move white into the, if you have more of something than me, then I can get that much of that thing. Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. two more cards to go. All right, Ethereal Valkyrie. This one is four, a white, and a blue for a creature, Spirit Angel 4-4. Whenever this card enters the battlefield or attacks, draw a card, then exile a card from your hand face down. It becomes foretold. Its foretell cost is its mana cost reduced by two. A little bit like Dream Devourer, huh? Yeah. Like, obviously not as good, but still. Another card that we talked a bit about on Twitter as well, um, you know, this is a six mana 4-4 flyer. If you, this is a great flicker target, obviously. It comes out in the battlefield, you can put something from your hand. But I, I think that the trick with this is that, like, you're, let's say by the, it's turn six, how you maybe have three, four cards in your hand. You play this, you exile one of those cards, you're down to three, two cards in your hand. And then you're attacking with it, you're exiling more cards. It doesn't seem like it's actually as powerful as it might seem on the surface, unless you're blanking it a bunch of times. But not having those cards in hand to even have access to, I, I don't know. Something about this makes me just kind of like, hmm, is it that good or is it overcosted? Yeah, I, I'm not a huge, huge fan of it. I think it's fine. I think there's just a lot of cards at six mana that are roughly as powerful or probably more powerful than yeah. this card is. Um, this is about like medium for what we'd expect for, from a six mana card that's playable in Commander. Somebody uh, online compared it to the Titans, which I think is a decent comparison. It's probably similar right. in power level to Frost Titan and stuff like that, which we don't see a ton in Commander anymore, right? Sun Titan, sure, we see a lot. Yep. This yep. is not as good as Sun Titan because uh, it the effect that it has right when it comes out is not quite as big. But I think it is pretty decent in middling power level tables where it, you're going to likely get the ETB effect, maybe get an attack in, blink it once. That's pretty good for one card if you can sort of regularly get that amount of value out of it. But I don't think that's going to be regular at, at like higher seven power, eight yeah. power level tables, right? I feel like you're only going to be exiling probably two cards on average with this thing before you're at, you've either run out of cards or you just would can cast them from your hand and you don't need to. The, the foretell mana reduction does seem nice. If your opponents all have blockers at this point, then it's not as great. So you want to flicker it instead. I think. Uh, oh, and one more new card in this deck. Yeah, kind of newish because the last time we saw this was the Game Night printing of it. Oh, so, it's not new. Yeah, so it's like, it's I call it like half new. It's Inspired Sphinx, which is a seven mana, five, five Sphinx. When it in enters the battlefield, draw cards equal to the number of opponents you have. So draw three. But for three in the blue, you can also create a one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. So that kind of goes along with what the commander is doing here as well, making tokens. Yeah, it, uh, it, yeah, it's seven mana, though, which is a lot. Yeah. All right. So that's the eighth card, but that's actually a, not a reprint. So there's seven new ones we talked about there. 
And and the commander, right? Yes, or is and it commander. is it seven counting the commander? It's seven and then the commander makes it okay, eight. Okay, so there is eight. Yeah, Sweet. yeah, yeah. All right, well let's talk about the deck contents. Good segue, everybody. <laughs> so there are eight new cards, including the commander. There are 25 basic lands, and there are 67 reprints, mm-hmm. which oh, leads... Go ahead. 11 of those are from Kaldheim, just so you know, because Fortel, this is kind of similar to the uh, Mutate deck with Otrimi back in the uh, day. Yeah. They need to include cards from the set because it literally is the only time that this keyword's going to get printed right now. Yeah, so there's uh, 11 of the reprints of the 67 reprints are from Kaldheim, but they're technically reprints. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're about to go through deck value here, like we always do for these decks. And I just want to remind you that the values that we calculate are always taken from before the deck is revealed. Uh, just because we've always done that in the past, we're a little late with these budget upgrades th- uh, on this set specifically. We've just had a ton going on and couldn't get these out the door super early. Uh, but we still want to do the same timing on when we calculate the reprints so that we can compare it apples to apples to uh, commander decks and precons from the past. This is the past, yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay, so the eight unique cards... We won't calculate their value. The eight, sorry, new cards. New cards, yeah. Yeah, because they don't didn't have value before the deck was revealed, obviously. <laughs> and the we'll, Kald, the Kaldheim we'll, cards oh, also yeah. are not um, calculated into this because, again, they couldn't be calculated before the decks were revealed because Kaldheim wasn't out yet. However, I will say that of the 11 cards from Kaldheim in this set, none have re- any real value. They're all like... 25 to 50 cents. There's nothing in there that, yeah. yeah. And also it's a main set preprint, basically. So anytime something is in a new set, it's not going to have a ton of value unless it's like one of the mythic chases from the uh, set. You wouldn't put in a precon, right? So, yep. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the top reprints in this deck. These are the, we define that by, uh, just the cards that are worth $5 or more. So drum roll, please. All the cards (laughs) that are worth $5 or more from this precon, Jimmy. It's one. There's one card. It's Brago King Eternal which was just over five bucks. This is a great card though. And it's very good for this deck because obviously he is the flicker king himself. Works really well with Renard, but that's that's it. That's a bummer. A little bit of a bummer. The other deck, the Elvish Empire deck, had a $10 card in it and another card over $5. This one has only one card that is $5 or more. And it's right on the line. It's not even like a, a, a $9 <laughs> yeah. card, right? So that's, I'd say, a little bit disappointing. Let's move on to the $2 and up reprints. Um, those we don't we just can't talk about every card so we don't go anything below two bucks uh, but there are a number here mm-hmm. i'm just gonna list them fairly quickly sorry to the editors ghostly prison was about four dollars and fifty cents windfall about three bucks arcane artisan arcane signet both about three dollars eerie interlude mm. about two dollars and eighty cents good card in the deck exiles all your stuff and brings it back soul ring Always sits at about two fifty. I don't care how many times they reprint it. Yep. Restoration Angel about two fifty. Swift Foot Boots want to protect that commander two fifty. And then Mindstone and Wall of Omens both bringing up the very end of the list here at two dollars. Yeah, and again, there's these are all going to fluctuate a bit. You know, they may say two dollars now. Maybe they're a little bit low. Maybe they're a little, a little above. But this is not impressive either uh, by any means. Um, Arcane Signet and Soul Ring are basically auto includes in every single precon now, and they're always going to sit around that price. Um, Ghostly Prison, nice to see it was climbing up a little bit, but it's you know a very powerful card. It's one that most white decks I think want to run, um, and it's great protection in Commander. So it's it's not terribly great, especially with only one card over $5. But again, these are supposed to be much more accessible pre-cons. The pricing as well of them is not the same as the big commander release that we'll get later in the year. 
And keep in mind that, and we're going to compare these in just a second to what uh, Zendikar Rising and the Commander Legends mini precons were, because they're the same type of precons, right? Same. Mm-hmm. They don't have M- MSRP anymore, but they're about the same uh, over-the-counter price. Yep. And you have to keep in mind the fact that because these have more new cards in them, the overall value of these decks might actually be greater than ZNR or CMR, which only had three new cards in them. And the new card prices are not calculated into our reprint value because... right. We're calculating all this before the decks are revealed. So this one has one card over five bucks, 10 cards over two bucks, total reprint value, $61.35, which is the lowest number we've ever seen for any type of pre-con. Remember the Elven Empire deck was about $73.90. It did have a $10 card in it though, mm-hmm. which pretty much accounts for the difference, right? Yep. It's, yep. Otherwise it's 63 and right. this one's 61. Yeah. But these have about four to five more new cards that have never been seen before than the ZNR and CMR pre-cons, which both averaged out... Well, ZNR was about $96, mm-hmm. and then Commander Legends was about $79. Yeah, so it looks like so, we're, we're heading a certain direction here, Josh. Yeah, I mean, would you say that the five... You know, you got five extra new cards. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's worth more than $18. I don't think so. It's probably closer to like 5 to 10 if I had to guess because they're not necessarily going to be super chase cards and these precons I'm from what I can tell they seem to print a lot of them as well. The cards that are interesting to me obviously Cosmic Intervention and Stoic Farmer are both sort of like the ones that are that are looking at me being like, "Hey, this might be I might be worth something someday." I might be worth something someday, yeah, but right now it doesn't seem like the the value is close to as what it was before. Yeah, I think whatever the dollar amount specifics are, I think we can pretty safely say this deck is probably the least value of any precon that we've seen as far as just dollar reprint value mm-hmm. or or as adding up the price of the cards. Pro- probably. Probably, yeah. It doesn't mean, again, like, right, the, the reprint value here is still far above the actual MSRP of the product, but yeah. it also says, like, are you going to go and sell all the cards? No. But this is just a good idea to give you, like, an idea of what you're getting in the box. And it's not as great as it was before, but it's not abysmal either. It's sort of sitting closer to the middle now. All right, let's talk about the stats of the deck. Sorry, the stats. 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 All right. I slow mo. Pretty good stats on this one. You want to go through the sort of foundational basic stats? Yep. So ramp, 13 sources of ramp. Eight of those are mana rocks, which actually, not surprising. It's a white-blue deck, right? There's not many other sources for ramp. I'm actually surprised there are five that aren't <laughs> mana rocks. 13 is great, though, right? Yeah, that's a lot. And that's more than I expected. Typically, we're, we're saying, like, stay around 10 and 10 for ramp and card draw. Uh, speaking of card draw, it has eight. However, two of those cards are six plus drops, as you've noted here, including like the Ethereal Valkyrie, right? Yeah. So eight's pretty good. Again, we want 10 pieces of card draw, but the fact that two of them are six drops is a little bit of a ding. Although, you know, Jimmy, if you were building a deck and you had Consecrated Sphinx in the deck, would you count that as card draw? Oh yeah, definitely. So, you know, we, we aren't totally adverse to playing a few pieces of card draw that are hi- higher on the CMC ladder, right? Yep, yep. Targeted removal-wise, also a really strong number here, eight. And we've been talking about adding more to that number because in the past we were like five, six of it, but it seems like that's going up and up. So pretty good there. And then finally, Wraths at three. Those numbers look great to me, and that's the direction I've been trending and we've been talking about on the show. Uh, I think you're going the same way, Jimmy, which is like a few less Wraths and then a few more targeted removal. So I like to be these days, you know, eight to 10 target removal and about three wraths. And it looks like Wizards is kind of going in that direction too, which I like. Yeah, and again, 
more wraths means longer games and we're always trying to move away from that so i'd say like the wraths here is actually nice having three and you know i, I find myself running less creature-based wraths too i'd rather have you know your vandal blasts and things that are very specifically targeted I also think as the format has sped up, Wraths have gotten a little bit worse because they're expensive right. generally, and so they're liable to not save you because they just can't happen fast enough. And a lot of yeah. times you're just wish wishing, like, I wish I had a one or two mana removal spell, which would have saved me in this situation, whereas I just don't have time to wait for my Wrath to come online. Yeah, I don't need to get rid of everything, but there's two really problematic things that have to go. All right, let's talk about the specifics to this deck. And remember, Raynar wants to pull us in these three different directions, foretell cards, blink effects, tokens <laughs> so let's see how they balance the deck between those three things right now foretell cards in the deck there are about 11 hmm. seems low but that seems you know, low yeah there just aren't that many foretell cards in existence so it's not surprising even if they put every single foretell card in these colors into the deck they probably aren't getting to 30 right there just right. aren't that oh, many definitely not yeah yeah uh flicker blink and exile effects just different ways to exile things permanence on the board so you get spirits there's about 15 ways to to blink or flicker things in the deck. Hmm, okay. That seems a little more correct. However, keep in mind that exile effects and flicker and blink might not necessarily, right? Like, not every single one is going to exile, right? Well, no, these are all ways to exile. Oh, they are? Okay, okay, okay. Flicker and blink are ways to bring it back onto the battlefield. Gotcha. Exile might, it might include an exile effect that's a removal spell for your, you know, like Banisher Priest or something. It's not in there, but. Gotcha, okay. Uh, and then flicker payoffs. So ways to take advantage of exiling your thing and bringing it back. There's about 17 of those. And this is generally, as you would expect, uh, enter the battlefield effects on creatures. This is probably your value engine just straight up in any flicker deck, just getting, you know, redundancy, using your creatures more than once um, and targeting yourself with these effects. And then Renar obviously helps benefit you by giving you some one ones at the same time. Yeah, actually, these numbers, at first glance, they look a little skewed to me. Like there's too many ways to blink slash flicker things and not enough things to flicker with them. Right, right. But it makes a little bit of sense when you consider that most blink decks are the commander is providing the blink. Brago, Yorian, uh -huh. Rune. Raynard does not provide the blink. So you need more effects in the deck that are going to blink slash flicker the stuff uh, so that you can reliably get it. So you maybe have to pay for that mm -hmm. by having a few less targets for the flickering. Right. Um, and then let's talk about tokens because, again, it makes 1-1 one, one Flying Spirits. There are about eight token creators in the deck. That's more than I thought. Because yeah. you have so much value otherwise from these creatures and stuff. Do you need all these tokens? I, I guess they are saying maybe. I mean, if you're going to make some one-off spirit tokens with Raynar, then how are you going to take advantage of that if you don't lean into it a little bit, right? Uh -huh. You need ways to, to like pump all your tokens. But if you only have three, that's not enough. You need other ways to make tokens. And again, some of the token creation is on creatures that have entered the battlefield effects. So you could oh, okay. reuse them with the blink flicker. And then let's talk about token payoffs. This is ways to take advantage of just having a lot of little creatures on the board. Usually this is in the form of mass pump spells, mm -hmm. uh, overrun type effects, obviously not specifically overrun because we're not in green. There are about five of those in the deck, ways to pump all your creatures or that kind of, you know, take advantage of having a lot of tokens. I guess that's the win con of this deck then, because otherwise you're just sort of spinning your wheels with value, right? Yeah, which can be a problem with blink decks, which is they yeah. get an engine going, but how do they turn that engine into a victory? <laughs> this one at least yeah. has a plan for that, right? Well, the engine will make you one ones, and if you get enough of those, then let's turn them all into, you know, three threes and then swing, and they're in the air. Yep. 
Uh, there are about 36 lands in the deck, which just tells us that there are enough lands and we don't have to mess with the mana base, which is nice because yeah. we don't like to do that. That's boring on shows like this. And 13 sources of mana ramp plus that many lands means you don't even need to worry about the ramp side of it, which is great considering this is a white blue deck. Yep. So I think it's clear, though, looking at these numbers, they're all over the place. And we know from right. our deck building template in the past that you really want to park your strategy on something where you've got like 25 to 30 of that thing. If it's tribal, you mm-hmm. want, you know, 25 to 30 elves. If it's, uh, you know, I don't know, aristocrats, you want like that many things that want to be sacrificed or whatever. And this layout doesn't have really clearly any category that's really like standing out as like that's the one right there's 11 15 17 8 5 like it's all over the place yeah the commander feels like that too when you read the commander you're like it's doing so much yeah which one of these can i do because i think if you try and do three things you'll end up doing nothing yeah yeah so when we come back from the break here we are going to talk about which cards to add and which direction to really focus this deck to get it really humming so that it can actually compete with real decks but quick break we'll be right back don't go anywhere Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. We are being ever watchful because we are ready to make this deck a little bit better than it was just a second ago, right, Josh? Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) I think a lot better. I think the 10 cards here will help us focus it, get it really more like a laser and less like a, what's the opposite of a laser? 
uh, shotgun. A sh- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it's true though. I mean, the we've we've seen the the deck choices here. And it feels like if you try to split your attention too many different ways, I think this is also like a classic deck builders like issue for novice deck builders or people that are newer to it. They're like, I want to do a little bit of everything, and as a result, you you can't actually do any of those things good enough. Yeah. So then you just play a game, and it doesn't feel like you did anything because you weren't able to really focus on one thing. Where it's like, I'm going to do this one thing, and my whole deck wants to do this one thing. Right. Usually, you'll be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to try and focus in here. So we're to the portion where we're going to talk about the cards we want to add. Remember, we're going to add 10 cards. Later, we're going to talk about the 10 cards to take out to make room for those t- 10 that we're putting in. But the total budget for this is $25. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure that you can do this fast. You can do it fairly cheaply and you can get this card on or this card, this deck onto the battlefield and duking it out with real decks. Yeah, because I, I think it's actually a pretty fun deck. I, yeah. I like I like what's going on here. So I'm excited to see what you made some choices about. Okay, so the first category I'm calling uh, Mortel. Hey. Hey. So it's got Fortel, but there's only 11 Fortel cards in the deck. I want Mortel. I want more Fortel. Love it. I think that Raynar reduces the cost of your Fortel cards when they go into Fortel, but that is exiling a card from your hand. So when you do that, you will make the spirit. Mm-hmm. So Fortel has actually the most synergy with the commander. Because everything else, right. you're not getting that mana boost. You're not, if you blink or flicker something or exile something on the battlefield, yes, you get the spirit, but you're not reducing the mana cost of everything. So oh, I want the full yeah. advantage as much as possible. I want that to get, I want Raynard to give me a spirit and give me mana rather than only mm-hmm. give me a spirit. Now, like we said, there's only so many Forktail cards. Uh, so we're just going to talk about a few here you should add, but. You could add, I think, all the Fortel cards that are reasonable to play in Commander to this deck, and it will probably make it better. Let's talk about the the must-adds, though. Okay. Cosmos Charger. This one, I think, is the most important, probably single card to add to the deck. It is new from Kaldheim, uh, the main set. It's three and a blue for a horse spirit. It's a 3-3. It has flash and flying. It says, foretelling cards from your hand cost one less and can be done on any player's turn. <gasps> yeah, and That's it has a fantastic. Fort- yeah, and it has a foretell cost of two and a blue. Okay. So the th- the reason this is so good is because Raynar, if you'll recall, we we pointed this out when we read it. It says the first card you foretell each, each turn. turn costs zero. So if I don't have Cosmos Charger on the battlefield. I can only get a two mana advantage from Raynar each rotation of the table. That's the most I could get. Yep. Because I don't care if you got Vidalcan Ori, Leyline of Anticipation, none of those let you foretell at instant speed. Right. But Cosmos Charger does. Yeah, this seems like the best card in the deck, and it's not in there. Right. I'm amazed. Well, they probably want you to add it. <laughs> they want you to buy some uh, Kaldheim oh, Okay, booster. okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you'll crack it, because it's not an expensive card either. It's like a quarter currently. Yeah, I wouldn't even try and crack it. I would just go to cardkingdom.com slash zone and order it for 25 cents, because yeah. it's so important to this deck. Just order at the same time you order the pre-con. Yeah, and this means like I go boom, Cosmo, Cosmos Charger, and then I play a Fortel card for free. I pass the turn, and on Jimmy's turn, I go boom, Fortel for Tell, free. And then yeah. on Ashland's turn, I go boom, Fortel for free. And, and then on Megan's turn, I go boom, for free. What did I just do? That's like so much mana <laughs> I just got, right? Yeah, and no I got one knows, four spirits. No one knows what's about to happen either. You can Fortel stuff out of nowhere, too. The only thing you need to have is make sure you have Fortel cards in your hand. That's the problem. And I think, <laughs> you know, in most games, you're unlikely to even have four Fortel cards because there are so few, which is why we want to add Mortel here. Yeah. So let's talk about the next card, which is the other, I think, must 
must add for the deck. And it's very cheap, 75 cents. Pre-order this with the, or sorry, just order. It's not pre-order anymore. Everything's out. Um, Order this with your pre-con. It's Glorious Protector. This is two white, white for an angel cleric. It's a three, four with flash and flying. Has foretell for two and a white. But it says when Glorious Protector enters the battlefield, you may exile any number of non-angel creatures you control until Glorious Protector leaves the battlefield oh okay so this is asking you to flip it over and protect a lot of stuff but those cards don't come back unless the glorious protector leaves which means you might need to blink it flicker it right also you're exiling a permanent on the battlefield when glorious protector does that so you're getting a spirit so this is just all synergy right it has foretell itself it helps exile things on the battlefield and then bring them back eventually if you're flickering glorious protector or if it dies can save your commander from a board wipe all kinds of synergy there. I think this card is really, really good in the deck. Uh, going to make you spirits. Going to make you happy. Is that how you make someone happy? By making spirits. By making some spirits. Well, by yeah. raising their spirits, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, there are a lot, like you said earlier, of foretell cards in the set. So if you do happen to draft this a little bit, play it or crack open the box, whatever you end up doing, you might actually end up having these uh, to put in. And I think, like, really, you should just stick them all in here if you're trying to go this foretell route. You have the most value you can get from them by having them in your deck, right? Yeah, there's one more I think I'm going to... Oh, I'm so sorry. I totally buried the lead. No, no. Yeah, you're right there. Um, But there's one more I think I specifically would put in the deck as one of my 10 cards that I'm suggesting here. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Depart the Realm, and it's one in a blue for an instance. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, but it has foretell for a blue. Ah, okay. Now, this is, again, a very cheap card, somewhere around a quarter or less. Um but it does synergize very well with everything the deck's doing. And it's also just a good removal spell, a good like pull the ripcord, you know, in an emergency, remove mm-hmm. the combo piece, you know, so that somebody doesn't win on the spot. But also you have a bunch of enter the battlefield effects. So, you know, bounce something of your own, recast it, get the effect again. This is a foretell card. When you put it into a foretell, it was first of all free, but it made you a spirit. So this, there's also some other things we're going to talk about later, but it's going to work well with specifically some of your ETB um, creatures might be able to get it back from the graveyard, that kind of thing. So it has good synergy and it's a very simple card, but because it can bounce any non-land permanent, it's versatile. So I I think uh, I would say add that to the deck for sure. You can bounce your own Glorious Protector with it. Get some blockers back, maybe surprise someone out of nowhere. That's a pretty good little thing where you play Glorious Protector, save something maybe from removal, but you want that thing on the battlefield, you bounce the Glorious Protector back to your hand with Depart the Realm. You've made a few spirit tokens in there, and you've got Glorious Protector back in your hand, ready to protect your commander next time. Yep. And then the Enter the Battlefield effects if you do exile something with Glorious Protector that you want to come back. Right. So let's talk about the other foretell cards that exist in Call Time that don't come in this deck that if you have them or have access to them, sure, you want to add them. I'm not going to officially count those towards our 10, but we just want to mention them because they are cards that you would think about adding, I think, because foretell is so good with Raynar. Yeah, the first one, I love this card, Doomscar. I'm actually really excited about this card. It's normally just a three white white sorcery that says destroy all creatures, so a more expensive Wrath of God, but you can foretell this for two mana, and then it only costs one white white to do so. So that's actually pretty exciting. Uh, I, I like that quite a bit. Yep, it's great. And then with Glorious Protector, there's Eerie Interlude, Cosmic Intervention. Those are all ways to wrath the board, but at the same time, save all your own stuff already built into this deck. So Doomscar definitely could go in. 
Mm-hmm. All Runs Epiphany is very similar to Raynar because this also makes some 1-1 one, one flyers for you. It's 5 blue blue for a sorcery. You create two 1-1 one, one blue bird creature tokens with flying, and then you take an extra turn and then exile the spell. If you foretell it, though, it only costs 6 mana. Uh, so it's a 6 mana, take an extra turn, and you get two 1-1s one, that can then swing on the immediate next turn. Yep. Extra turn spells, I mean, we know they're good, right? Yeah, they're definitely good, and we don't see them that often, and this one synergizes clearly with the commander. Um, we also have Shepherd of the Cosmos, which is a four white, white, three, three, flying angel warrior. It's an uncommon, so you can probably find this one pretty easily. When there is a battlefield, return target permanent card with CMC two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield with Fortel for three and a white. So that that could be a fetch land. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking. I think probably best case scenario, if it is a fetch land, uh, to get that right back onto the battlefield and, and man ramp to you now. Yep, that's pretty great. Uh, there's also Starnheim Unleashed, one of my favorite arts from the set. It's two white-white for a sorcery to create a 4-4 white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance, Sarah Angel. And if the spell is foretold, you create X of those tokens instead, and the foretell cost is XX white. So you'd pay two, and then if you paid one, two, three mana, you get two, one, four, four. And if you pay five mana, so X is equal to two, you get two, four, four. So it, it clearly gets better, but another great foretell card, make some tokens, make some flyers, ways to get in with damage. Seems like how this deck is going to win. Yeah, and tokens and flyers are sort of the win condition, like you said, of the deck. So it does synergize in some ways. Yep. And then finally, one of the more confusing cards of the set, it's Mystic <laughs> Reflection. One in the blue for an instant, choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature. And the foretell cost is just a blue on this one. Yeah, so it does have a lot of synergies with the deck because you're making tokens. We go over the intricacies oh, right. of Mystic Reflection uh, in the set review and also in the most recent roundtable episode uh, for the Caltime Game Nights because mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions about it. But just think Glorious Protector, right? Comes in, exiles four of your creatures, uh, in response to a board wipe, and it dies. All four of those creatures are going to enter the battlefield at the same time. You could flip over Mystic Reflection and make them all become copies of something else instead. Whoa. Might be tough because uh, everything would die in the board wipe, but you understand what I'm saying. There are mm-hmm. also many ways in the deck that like make four tokens all at once. Raynar will only make one token at a time when Spirit token, so you know, still could be good if you want that token to be a Blightsteel Colossus rather than a 1-1 Fire, which you probably do if somebody you know has one out. Right. Uh, but it's hard to break in the way of making like seven different things into something. Yeah. You could also make someone else's Blightsteel Colossus into a one flyer. I like you. that. And that's, so. <laughs> I think, a reason that Mystic Reflection is just really good in a lot of decks, but specifically this one, is it also is kind of a counter spell for somebody's commander or something like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, yeah. it's But it's one of the more expensive cards from the set. I think it's sitting at like five or six bucks. So, um, And it's not necessary for the deck. I think those cards we just talked about, Jimmy, Doomscar, Outruns Epiphany, Shepherd of the Cosmos, Starnham Unleashed, and Mystic Reflection are the only other foretell cards that are of the quality, I would put them in commander decks. You do not want mm-hmm. a foretell card in your deck just because it's foretell that's like a five mana three six <laughs> with vigilance. You know, I think that exists in the set. Yeah. That's just not good enough, even though it does have a lot of synergy with your commander. You still have to have cards that have effects that will be useful in a game of commander. Yep. Unfortunately, the commander does have a lot of other abilities that trigger on it when you're doing other stuff in the deck. So let's talk about that. Instead of Mortel, it's more flicker. Doesn't sound as fun as Mortel. <laughs> but just because we've seen it a lot more. Yeah. But as we saw, there are plenty of ways to flicker things in the deck, and I think we're a little bit light on things to flicker. Mm-hmm. So I think we can put some high-quality enter-the-battlefield f- uh, effects into play. I love this first one. The first one is a card I am just find myself putting into every deck that has blue, and I'm just using it more and more. It's Amphin Mutineer. 
Three and a blue for a 3-3 Salamander Pirate. When it enters the battlefield, you exile up to one target non-Salamander creature, and mm. that creature's controller puts a 4-3 Salamander Warrior Creature token into play. And then as Encore for four blue-blue, which means you exile this card from your graveyard, and then for each opponent, you create a token copy of Amphimutineer that attacks uh, that opponent, one for each this turn of fable and then it gains haste and you sacrifice at the beginning of the next end step so you exile one thing and if it dies it's sitting in your graveyard for six mana you're gonna exile three things wow yeah and also with blink and stuff it's just a a cheaper duplicate that's sitting on your on in on your battlefield ready to be used uh and making you a spirit when it exiles a thing right yep it makes four threes every single time and you can't exile those four threes you make but this is mono blue exiling creatures from the battlefield and Raynar loves that because when you do that you create a 1-1 so Amphimutineer seems like a perfect fit for this deck and it's just again one of those cards where everyone when it came out was scratching their heads a little bit and going like blue can do this too okay I mean sure why not I mean if they can do it and they're allowing it then I'm gonna put that in my deck totally all right, the next card that we want for the more flicker category is Archaeomancer. Two blue blue for a one two human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Love it. This is just super useful with flicker. Mm-hmm. You can do things like get your depart the realm back over and over and over again <laughs> and, you know, do some crazy loops with things like that. Bounce all their non-land permanents or whatever. You can also just get a bunch of your foretell cards back because a lot of them are instants and or sorceries. Yep, and they'll just land themselves in the graveyard and so being able to get that extra value both hidden. Now, the second time you foretell it, someone's probably going to know, okay, we've already seen that once, but still, Archaeomancer with Flicker, uh, Mnemonic Wall, those types of cards really, they just generate so much more value than you might expect because rebuying a card is essentially drawing it, especially if you're in these colors it's often tutoring it too because right. let's say you have 10 cards in your library or in your graveyard well choosing between the best you know five instants and sorceries in there is close to tutoring yeah or in between tutoring and drawing a card right because yeah, you're a choosing point. a thing yeah and not just that but if it's in your graveyard it probably means you use it this game and if you use it this game maybe you it's gonna be good to use again it was probably good yeah you used it, it did yeah. something yeah <laughs> uh, the next card is a very jimmy card i love this card too. i don't know why i think of you when this card i think you've just played it a lot against me yeah you know and it originally was as a lot of Jimmy cards are Craig cards. Cards yeah. that when I first <laughs> yeah. started playing Commander, Craig played it and I went, wait, what? Are you <laughs> kidding me? And then he would do something with it made, that made me go like, okay, I need to put that in my decks. Yeah, this is a, a very innocuous seeming card, but it does so many things. It's Paragon Drake. Four and a blue for a two, three flyer. When it enters the battlefield, untap up to five lands. Wow. So the first time you play it, it's effectively free. Mm-hmm. It's a two, three flyer that untaps all the lands you you tap to cast it. But when you blink it, you're almost always paying less than that cost than the five mm-hmm. to blink it. So you basically it adds to your blink extra mana. So now I can blink this thing to gain mana, hmm. which allows you to pull off things you couldn't pull off otherwise. Because you're like sitting there going, man, if I had nine mana, I could do this. Well, if I blink the Paragon Drake, I net three mana. Now I have the nine mana I need to pull off this other thing. Yeah, and it might just make you go infinite too yep. uh, in certain scenarios, depending on how you're flickering it. Yeah, so this is just a card I like to have on the battlefield and flicker decks to just be able to pull off crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then the last card in the more flicker category that is kind of a pet card of mine, and Jimmy, you've definitely faced it down <laughs> a number of times. Maybe even I, 10 times. When I've played it, yeah. It's Lavinia of the 10th. Three, a white and a blue for a 4-4 four, four human soldier. She has protection from red. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What are you doing over here? <laughs> <laughs> it says, when Lavinia enters the battlefield, detain each non-land permanent your opponent's control with converted mana cost four or less. What detain is, is until your next turn, your next turn, mm-hmm. those permanents can't attack or block and their activated abilities can't be activated. 
Oh, that second part is actually pretty nasty. Yeah, so... Permanence, by the way, so... Uh, yeah, it turns rock? off their mana rocks. <laughs> That's one of the biggest things that it does. But it also just tends to turn off a lot of their stuff. Their mm-hmm. Sensei's Divining Tops, their Scroll Racks, their anything that they want to activate that is not a land and is 4 CMC or less, which is most of their stuff. Thrasios, sorry, you just can't activate that Ooh, thing. Ooh, yeah. And the ability to blink it means you can sort of turn off all their 4 CMC or less stuff forever if you have the right blink engine going it doesn't stop them from playing the game right because they can still cast their big stuff Mm -hmm. but you'll be amazed and they can still cast their small stuff right like if it doesn't have an activated ability or whatever this won't affect it a lot but it constrains them a lot it's just amazing what yeah yeah it often feels like kind of a soft lock on the game because they're like oh i was counting on being able to do this thing but i can't do it and that's the thing that i need to do to stop lavinia from keep doing it yeah, there's so many times when it's turn 8, 9, 10, and you know for a fact that something big is going to come. But if you're able to restrict their mana by even two, it can make all the difference in the world. There are so many times, even if you watch game nights, where the, in order to get to the game-winning player to save the day, the person has to literally tap completely out. So Lavinia just stops a lot of that in its tracks, especially if you just keep reusing her, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's really important to winning the game often to just use every resource you've got. And Lavinia says, well, you actually just have two or three less resources because that mm-hmm. mana rock doesn't work and you can't activate the Billy on that thing. Yeah, and uh, maybe you need that extra blockers out of the way with Lavinia too because detaining stops that. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I kind of look at her as like Gaddic Teague a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. if you compare it to Gaddic Teague, a lot of people are going to not like this card as much as they might have because that card is awful. <laughs> but you wait until you have the game in a decent spot. You're ahead, but right. it's not completely locked up. You play Lavinia and that helps you lock the game in place so that you can get to your next turn and now win. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And you have tons of ways to protect it. So if someone's like, we got to get rid of it, be like, haha, I've got X, Y, and Z to stop you from doing that. Okay, there was a card I wanted to talk about here. I'm cheating a little bit. <laughs> it was too hard to actually tell you to add it to this deck because it requires a pretty big change. But it's a very good card if you want to go through this. So Eldrazi Displacer, it's oh. not expensive. It's $2.30. It is a card that for two and a colorless mana, a diamond mana... You can exile a creature and return to the battlefield tapped. Immediate exile, which yep. a lot of times exile waits until your end step. So this is actually important. The problem is that colorless mana and the activation cost of Eldrazi mm-hmm. Displacer because it's two and a white to cast. But there are only five sources of mana in the deck as constructed in the precon that are See. colorless, which is not reliable enough to be able to actually use Eldrazi Displacer. And some of those colorless sources are on like Myriad Landscape, which you want to sacrifice. Oh, yeah. So it's not likely to even be on the battlefield. So Eldrazi Displacer, I think a very good addition to the deck as a way to keep flickering things because you have a lot of one-off flicker, Mm -hmm. but you really only have Brago and I think Miss Meadow Witch as ways to like continuously flicker things. Right, right. So Eldrazi Displacer is better than both those other two in some ways because you can do it right now and it costs less mana. Uh, think of it with Peregrine Drake. Ooh, that's infinite mana right there. Yeah, that, exactly. That Tap source, five yeah. mana, use three of it to flicker the Peregrine Drake, untaps the other two and you're floating two and you just keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, but again, you would have to change the mana base by quite a bit uh, to make this work. So just wanted to mention it, but I'm not officially adding it as one of the 10 cards. It's a great card though. I'm so surprised. Yeah. I remember when this first came out, I was like, this is going to be the most valuable white card ever made. And yeah. it's still really affordable. So if you have a deck that can utilize and you know, you just need to have a lot of lands that can tap for colorless to activate this multiple times a turn, I think is where you want to be. Yeah. It turns out that that restriction of you need colorless mana is pretty big like yep. a lot of decks just can't afford to do that for especially one when card. you get like three four five colors too yeah 
All right, let's talk about the last category here. It's my favorite category. <laughs> we had more tell, we had more flicker. Now we're in more value. Yeah. That was uh, easy. <laughs> yeah. This, so we've done seven cards. We've got three to go. This first one is from Kaldheim. It's Cosima, God of the Voyage. It's an MDFC. I'm only going to talk about the face that matters, which is the Cosima, the God side. It's two and a blue for a two four. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile Cosima. If you do, by the way, if you'd exile her, that's you exiling oh, her the battlefield. Yes, yes. So of you'll course. make that one one. But if you do, it gains whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control. If Cosima is exiled, you may put a one one counter on it. Hmm. If you don't, return Cosima to the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it and draw X cards where X is the number of voyage counters on Cosima. Oh, right. Sorry. When it's, yeah, when it's off the battlefield, your lands create voyage counters, which yeah. then turn to one one counters, right? Sorry, sorry. I said one one counter. Yeah, you're right. It's the same thing, basically. <laughs> yeah. So. You exile Cosima, make a spirit, then every land you play for the next three or four turns puts a voyage counter on Cosima, and eventually you play a land and you go, I want to draw these cards. Cosima comes back in and says, I had four voyage counters. I get four plus one plus one counters, and you draw four cards. Yeah, this is actually really powerful, I think, because your opponents just cannot interact with it. Yep. It's going to draw those cards, and you're dropping a land to do so. You can't counter a land drop. Cosima's going to come back. They'd have to counter the ability, right? Right. You'd have to stifle or something like that. Yeah. Unlikely to happen. Very unlikely, yeah. And also, Cosima doesn't die or anything in that case. And the next upkeep, it'll ask you, do you want to exile her and make a spirit again? Man, maybe I do. Put it back oh, there. Yeah. Do the thing again. So you could do this more often if you wanted more spirits or whatever. I just think she's a pretty good addition to the deck uh, at the three-mana slot as a way to just guarantee you some card advantage later on in the game. Because we all, remember, yeah. we were a little late light on card draw you know i think the backside is actually kind of relevant because you do have flicker in this deck so if you oh. do play it as the omen keel which is a one in the blue for a three three vehicle that's interesting and you crew it for one and at some point you flicker that vehicle that non-land permanent it's going to come back as cosima so oh, i like that could, you could actually do it. it the vehicle part of it's not great it's just a three three that allows you to play land cards from your opponent's yeah, library it, basically, it, yeah i think the design of this right is four standard so you have a cosima in exile and then the omen kill on the battlefield so you're playing the lands cosima gets cards but in this case yeah very interesting yeah, you're right. I like the, the the flicker idea. I didn't even think of that to just flip it over and save you the one mana at the very least. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the next card is Reconnaissance Mission. There are a number of cards that fill, could fill this role. There's like Coastal Piracy, Biden mm -hmm. of Thassa. Uh, this is one of the cheaper ones and I think roughly equivalent to the other ones. Maybe better in some ways. It's two blue blue for an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card and then it has cycling of two. Ah, nice. I love cycling. Remember, Raynar's making these 1-1 one, one spirits, and we're looking for ways to make the spirits matter besides just, like, mass pump and winning at the end. Mm -hmm. And a good way is, like, oh, I can ding in with them and draw cards. Now, all of a sudden, every spirit you have is, like, very valuable, right? Right, right. Yeah, so I like this. And also, I like the fact that I was cycling for two so that if you don't really need the card draw or, you know, you're in desperation mode looking for something, it, you can get rid of it and yeah. get onto the next card. Yeah, two mana costing things. Very important in this deck, obviously. Yeah. Because foretelling and cycling and all that, yeah. All right, and then the last slot, I'm going to give you two choices. You can add either one of these or if you're you know you can always add both if you don't care about but these are expensive mm -hmm. these are the most expensive slots in the deck right now i think we're at less than eight dollars you know, less than ten dollars for sure wow nice good job yeah so but we're gonna add one quote-unquote expensive card these are about seven bucks six bucks for the first one skull clamp bingo you got one ones you got skull clamp yep <laughs> it's one mana equipment one to equip, equip creature gets plus one, negative one, and whenever equip creature dies, draw two cards. So it's one mana, draw two card, uh, sacrifice a spirit. Yep, and you're going to have a lot of spirits, obviously, with this deck, so many flickers and all that stuff. Yep, and the other one, which does a very similar thing to Skullclamp, um, 
is Afara, god of the polis. She's two, a white and a blue for a 6-5 legendary enchantment creature god, has indestructible. As long as your devotion to white and blue is less than seven, Afara is not a creature. It says, at the beginning of each upkeep, if you had another creature enter the battlefield under your control last turn, draw a card. So you cast a creature on your turn. That's a creature entering the battlefield. Mm -hmm. On Jimmy's upkeep, I would draw. Then if I could flicker a creature during Jimmy's turn, then on Ashlyn's upkeep, I would draw. And then if I could do that a third time, which is kind of a little bit magical Christmas land, but you never (laughs) know, then I would draw a card on Megan's turn. And the same thing on my own upkeep, if I could do something during Megan's turn. Yeah, maybe you're also casting a Path to Exile type thing on someone else, getting rid of their card. You get a a creature and then the far is going to trigger again too. Yeah, exactly. Because you do get those spirits when you exile things. So you don't have to just flicker your own stuff. That's a really good point. So either one of those will, I think, give you an engine all by itself to draw cards, which I think, you know, the deck really wants. And that gets us up to our 10 card draw cards too. And not to mention, you know, again, we're under budget here. So we talked about some other powerful cards from Kaldheim, like Doomscar and stuff. It seems like you can do a little bit of messing around here. See which one of the total you want to do if you want to really stick to that $25 guideline. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, I like that. You can get crazy with it if you want to. Even just spending the $25 will get you a bunch of the extra cards we talked about. And I think this deck will be quite good once you make these little changes. Uh, and of course, once you take out the 10 cards we're about to talk about, uh, that <laughs> yeah, are kind I'm, of, I'm just looking at some of these. I'm like, yeah, no, thanks. Yeah. A lot of these are just similar to what we've done in the past with recons. And I'd say this is probably, well, you can tell me if this is what you do, Jimmy, but a lot of times they're top heavy, a lot of high CMC stuff. Yeah, for sure. I and mean, I think too, the idea is that these are going to be played in lower power settings. You're going to get to those number of lands, but even then I've played a lot of magic. Even if you play long games, there's no guarantee that you're going to get to like nine, 10 lands. <laughs> a lot of times those, those nine drops, if you had it in, you know, if you drew it on turn two, it's been rotting in your hand for nine, 10, 11 turns. You could not cast it. Yeah. That's the worst because if that was any other card, at least it would be an option that you could have done something with. Mm-hmm. But because mm-hmm. it costs so much mana, it just wasn't even a consideration, nothing you could play. So the first thing we're going to do is take out some high CMC cards. Uh, the first one is one of the new cards from the regular main set of Kaldheim. It's Sertland Elementalist. Five blue blue, seven mana for a giant wizard. As an additional cost to cast this spell, reveal a giant card from your hand or pay two. Huh. So it's nine mana now, unless you reveal a giant. Okay, there are a lot of giants in the deck, though, right? Yeah, there are three giants in the deck. (laughs) Okay, never mind. Yeah, so your chance of having a giant in your hand is very, very low. So nine mana, that's why this is automatically out. I almost don't care what it does. It's an 8-8. It says when it attacks, attacks, not enters the battlefield. Oh, boy. You may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand without paying its mana cost. Oh, okay. So I could see this in a deck that wants to cheat it out. Uh, that has ways to get on the battlefield, maybe like a Braids deck that has like really high CMC powerful spells or whatever, but does not feel like it's in a good place here. Yeah. First of all, there's no way to cheat it onto the battlefield, really. Yeah. There's one way, but we're going to take that out too. And then second of all, you don't have Time Stretch in this deck. You don't have, you know, Enter yeah. the Infinite. You don't have Expropriate. You don't have anything really big to make this payoff even worth it. So I'm going to pay nine mana for a thing that's like, okay, and then what instant or sorcery spell are you going to cast for like free a out of your mana hand? Thing. You're yeah. Like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just not worth it. Uh, the next two are similar. It's Day of the Dragons and Storm Herd. Oh. Storm I like Herd. the name of this first one. Yeah, dragons. Day, Day of the Dragons. Weird for a blue card to be named that, right? Yeah, right. It's four blue, 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 so seven mana. When it enters the battlefield, it's an enchantment. You exile all creatures you control, and then you create that many 5-5 five, five red dragon creature tokens with flying. This is a real card? Yep. It's a blue card that makes red dragons. Okay. So it exiles all your cards. You make 
Spirits 2, probably, if Raynar's mm-hmm. out. Um, although you'll have to exile Raynar. Oh, right. Uh, so you won't... It'll turn into a 5-5 red dragon, so I guess you're not mad. Yeah. Um, and then when Day of the Dragons leaves the battlefield, you sacrifice all the dragons you control and then return the exiled creatures back to the battlefield. Problem is it's an enchantment, so they can kill all the creatures board wipe, and still you don't get your creatures back because yep. you need the enchantment to die. Yeah, you also need a flicker spell specifically for a non-land permanent because uh, a lot of times like some flicker spells are just doing creatures. Yep. So that's going to make it tough too. Yeah, so... And then Storm Herd is eight white white, so 10 mana. <laughs> Sorcery, create X-1-1 one, one white pegasus creature tokens with flying where X is your life total. Certainly, Magical Christmas Land, yes, I, you can make 40... 1-1 one, one flyers. Sure. And then sit there hoping they survive until your next turn because you spent 10 mana, so your entire turn to do this. And if anybody board wipes, you're very, very sad. And also, you could just be at 12 by the time you get there. Right. Which is 10 mana for 12. One ones, not that great. Um, yeah. And also, it can just get counterspelled or something, which is my biggest worry with 10 mana spells. Yeah. The moment you do this, the person with the counterspell in their hand starts to drool. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those, all three of those are going because of high CMC cost. This next one is is partially because of high CMC, but it's not as high as the other. So it's Evangel of Heliod. Four blue, or sorry, four white, white, six mm-hmm. mana for a 1-3 human cleric. When it enters the battlefield, you create a number of 1-1 one, one, white soldier creature tokens equal to your devotion to white soldiers okay yeah so i don't think this card is super bad in the deck or anything but there's no guarantee you can have a high devotion to white six Mm mana is a lot and it's not making spirits or flyers uh yeah and a bunch of the pump spells in the deck are specifically give all your flyers plus one plus one so if i'm making tokens but those tokens are not going to be um reliable as victory conditions because they're not going to get pumped by a lot of my pump spells. I don't think this card is very good. Yes, you can blink it and make more soldiers and whatnot, but you just have less ways to take advantage of soldiers. I think it's got to go. Yeah, it doesn't seem great here. And not to mention when you make spirits with Raynar, you don't get devotion from them because they're tokens. Right, and Raynar himself only gives you one devotion. So, Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Uh, The next card is a Fortel card. (gasps) Oh, you're cutting a Fortel card? I know. Let's see if you agree with me here. Okay, okay. Uh, It's Iron Verdict. It's two and a white for an instant. It deals five damage to target tapped creature, and you can foretell it for one white. Are we playing limited now? Yeah. <laughs> it is gonna, a common. I'm going to drop the iron verdict on this one. <laughs> Cut it. It's out of here. This is just not an EDH level card. Right. That's a good way of putting it, actually, because I think a lot of players will look at this and go, well, that can get rid of so much stuff, a problematic attacker, a commander even that's tapped and attacking. But it's a one-for-one removal spell in a format where every single time you do that, it you are actually kind of falling behind other players that are doing bigger, more impactful stuff that cares about each turn or every time someone plays a spell. It's also not necessarily a one-for-one removal spell, and that's why I don't like right, it. Right, yeah. This is narrow, first of all. It only does five damage. So what if the thing you want to get rid of is six toughness or more? Yeah. Second of all, the thing has to be tapped. Yep. A lot of the very worst things that are going to happen to you are from creatures they are never going to tap, <laughs> right? Corvald is going to sit there and do its thing, and you're like, if I had Path to Exile, I could kill that thing and stop this value, crazy value engine. And then they're like, well, they finally do attack, yes, but it's an 1818 now, and Iron Verdict don't do anything against an 1818. Yeah. So I just think this is just not powerful enough to be played in Commander. Especially when you're adding in other Fortel, Moratel cards, yeah. and we have so many great options from the main set as well that you don't need something like this. Yeah, I'm loath to cut a Fortel card, but that one's just too bad to keep. 
All right, the next one is another card from Kaldheim. It's Replicating Ring. Three mana for a snow artifact. You can tap to add a mana of any color. But it has this weird text of, at the beginning of your upkeep, <laughs> put a night counter on Replicating Ring. Then, if it has eight or more night counters on it, remove all of them and create eight colorless snow artifact tokens named Replicated, le- replicated Ring, and each of those can tap for a mana of any color. Eight? Yeah, we know. Casting this on turn two at the earliest. If your game goes to turn ten, and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of mana, doesn't doesn't seem like you're winning that. Yeah, I mean, we know from our uh, what was it called, Commander Mythbusters episode, uh-huh. that most games don't even go to turn twelve, right? Yeah. So, best case scenario, this gets you only if you play it on turn two, right? If you play it on turn three, on turn eleven, it's getting the eighth counter. That's yeah. if it doesn't get destroyed. I mean, as it gets close, if mana is going to matter, somebody's probably going to get rid of it. They have a lot of time to do so. I get it in a deck that has proliferate and things like that. This has none of those synergies. This is just a three mana rock. There are better three mana rocks. And then, even then, I put it in two mana rock mm-hmm. uh, instead of this. And also, there's plenty of ramp in the deck. So yeah, there's I'm just, 13 sources. Yeah, so I'm just saying, just take this card out. It's just not good enough. Yeah. All right, the next one might be a little controversial. And this is one of the um, over $2 cards reprints in the deck. Ah, well, maybe you can trade it in for a Doomscar instead. There you go. <laughs> That's a good... I would do that for sure. <laughs> uh, it's Arcane Artisan. Two and a blue for a 0-3 human wizard. You can pay two and a blue and tap the arcane artisan and then target player draws a card then exiles a card from from their hand if a creature card is exiled that way that player creates a token that's a copy of that card Hmm. and then when arcane artisan leaves the battlefield exile all tokens created with it at the beginning of the next end step so basically you tap this thing you exile a creature from your hand that's exiling a card from your hand you make a one one spirit and then you make a token copy of it sort of cheats it onto the battlefield yeah this I can understand why you're taking this out though, because one, Arcane Artisan goes away, goodbye creatures, and it's easy to bounce something or just get rid of it. Two, if you're in the flicker deck and you're playing the cards like the ones that are saving your stuff, this seems awful because it says, Oh, flicker all these cards and save them. Oh, that's a token because of Arcane Artisan. It's it's sorry, it's not Yeah, if I flicker it, it doesn't come back, it, so I yeah. don't actually get the value. <laughs> so I I want the real thing out. Imagine what are you gonna what are you gonna put out there? Peregrine Drake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there's a few big things. Uh, we took out the Certland Elementalist. That might be one that you would want to do this with. But again, it doesn't give it haste or anything, so mm-hmm. it still have the problem of needing to attack. This deck just isn't set up to take advantage of what Ar- Arcane Artisan represents. You want a yeah. Braids deck. You want to drop something big on the end step, mm-hmm. cheat it into play, get a huge effect. This doesn't do that. I just don't think it's very good in the deck. I get it. It exiles a card from your hand. That's kind of clever, but... Yeah. Well, also, a lot of the times with these types of cards, when the card that exile it goes away, you get the cards back into your hand. But in this case, you're actually just making them disappear forever. So you're yep. actually down cards if your opponents can play around this. Definitely take this card out, put it into one of your big beater scary decks instead. It, it has a better house somewhere else, guaranteed. Uh, and then the next one, I think it feels like it synergizes but really doesn't that well it's mist raven two blue blue for a two two flyer when it enters the battlefield return target creature to its owner's hand Uh, okay so this is where you would probably want to bounce your own thing and then replay it and get the value and i think that is good in the deck but four mana for a two two that does that that does not have flash yeah i think it's just not enough synergy it's not exiling anything you don't get any ravens or anything it sort of synergizes with the um enter the battlefield effects of course but it's just too much mana to do that and the fact that it doesn't have flash is such a huge downside because if it had flash at least i can exile my opponent's creature 
Mm-hmm. But on as a sorcery speed, unsummon for four mana, it's just pretty bad. Yeah, you'd rather play the Teferi, right? Yeah. It just pops in there, has flash, can stop a spell from being cast, and that's yep. great, obviously, in all those flicker decks. This is a very good... Oh, you mean the Venser? Oh, sorry, Venser is yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, not Teferi. Too many... Too many blue mages that do things with bouncing. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd much rather play Venser, I think, than yeah. a Miss Raven type. I mean, card. that's an expensive card, so I don't know that it's fair to compare. Of course like, not. Yeah, 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 yeah of course yeah. not. But I, I get it. There's some flicker things. You can flicker the Miss Raven and bounce things, but I just think that most flicker is Exile and now comes back on the end step, so it's hard to time that really, really in your favor to get somebody in anyway. I yeah. just think this card is just not good enough. All right. The last card that I want to cut is Migratory Route. It's three white blue for a sorcery. It says create four one one white bird creature tokens with flying. Okay. Five mana make four one one flyers. And as basic land cycling for two, you pay two, discard this card, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle to your library. I don't think this card is bad. I just think that, and it does synergize as far as it makes flyers, which we talked about earlier with Evangel of Heliod. You do want flying tokens specifically mm-hmm. for your pump spells. However, I think that because it's a sorcery and most of my value in my engine is revolving around flickering things, I want a creature that makes tokens and I have plenty of them. I don't think that cutting a, you know, a couple of token creators is a really big deal. And I don't think this card is really going to get you any more value than what you see on the card. And that's a basic land cycling much better. This deck, this card was, I remember it got reprinted originally in the four color commander decks because you want to get those basic lands out of your deck to cl- to cast your commander. It's yep. a two color deck, so even that side of it isn't as impressive. I'd almost rather just have it say cycling. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think this is good in a deck that's set up to take advantage of the tokens in a different way. So this yeah. deck doesn't have... Uh, it doesn't have Anointed Procession. It doesn't have Cathar's Crusade. It doesn't have Divine Visitation. So right. it's not set up to m- double your tokens, make them bigger in that way. Uh, so I just don't think it's sort of playing towards the strength of the deck. I would just much rather yeah. keep the cards in there that I can blink three or four times and make more tokens over the course of a couple of turns. Yeah, you could take it in that direction though, right? You could be like, okay, let's flicker all about the token generation, in which case you would try and add in your divine visitations and all that. And yeah, I might even take roots. out the foretell and lean into the flicker as a way to make the tokens. But then yeah. yeah, divine visitation. Now, every time I blink or exile something, I make a 4-4 four, four flyer. Well, that's a totally different ballgame. And that's a, a direction you could definitely take the back deck. Of course, Anointed Procession, Cather's Crusade, uh, divine visitation, very expensive cards. You know, yep. that, that's $50 almost worth of cards, probably more uh, right there. So definitely not a way we could take it for this exercise reprint annoying the procession and i'm not sure that deck would be more powerful than what we just built either it would just be different yeah it's more of a beat you down type deck just like straight up white blue flyers and we've seen a lot of support for that as well but a lot of different directions to go so obviously take that in mind when you're building this deck yourself all right that's gonna do it for our budget upgrade guy that was 10 in 10 out we cheated a little with the end <laughs> you have a few choices uh to the listeners, what do you think of the bum 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 Phantom Premonition deck? What do you think of the Phantom Premonition? I don't know why I did that. <laughs> so many words, to fit, so many syllables to fit into the song. I didn't pre-plan it very well. Yeah, Andrew Willebert now is just full on doing a rotisserie in his grave. He's like, now you're just ruining the song with words that weren't even there. Uh, all right, what do you think of the Phantom Premonition deck? Any cards that you think are must includes that we did not talk about? Please put it in the comments. Uh, we do like for all of our viewers to be able to watch the video and then 
peruse the comments and get other perspectives and uh, opinions about stuff because they might yeah. find a hidden gem on there down there that we didn't even think about. Yeah, and uh, I also love seeing it too because I remember when I did the AC uh, Tyrant deck that was the green blue one. I kind of like misspoke a little bit, took out too many high CMC cards, and it was great to see in the comments people talking about discussing the merits and the downsides of doing stuff like that. So it's always great. There's a lot of great knowledge in there as well. So please engage in the comments section, and we'll see you there. Yeah, I like to think of us, we're not the final word, right? We're a good jump start to get you going. And then, you know, we're obviously doing this. You made me really sad for jumpstart. I was like, (laughs) I want to play jumpstart. Don't say that. (laughs) Uh, We're doing this before having really played the decks and stuff. So these are our suggestions. But as you do it, you're going to obviously play the decks and you might find, you know, within the margins that you want to fine tune it even more in different directions. So yeah, yeah, we're just helping you get started. Uh, And somebody else who's helping you get started, because to get started to do this, you will have to own the deck. <laughs> is cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You want to pre-order Phantom Premonition, you want maybe the Elvish Empire deck, you want a booster box mm. from Call Time, collector's boosters, set, set boosters. boosters, so many different kinds of boosters. Or if you just want to order the singles, which we must say is the most efficient way to go. If you have something like we have here, which is... Get this single. <laughs> oh, Coolest man. art in the such a long Plex, time. Yeah, 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 very, very cool. But if you have a list of specific cards you want, it's going to be way cheaper to just cherry pick those cards and not try and like open booster packs hoping yeah. you get one of them. Um, Cardgame.com has all the singles you're going to need. And the best thing about them is they get you the stuff super, super fast. If you put in an order, they're going to ship it out to you so, so fast. You can have it in your hands and all the condition of the cards are going to be great. Yeah, which is really impressive because shipping times have drastically taken more and more time in the U.S. in the past year with the pandemic and everything that's happened. So Card Kingdom, being able to rely on that is just such a relief. Yeah. I've had I've had packages lost in the mail before. Like, really, like, I spent money on cards and they just disappeared because it wasn't, it was coming from someone's house in Wisconsin yeah. or something, you know, and the snowstorm got in the way or whatever it was. So I like that reliability a lot. And I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to, you know, chip in a little bit for that. It's a really good point in that, I don't want to imply that that stuff doesn't happen to Card Kingdom, right? Like they're not in control of the weather and the USPS or whatever problems that may occur. But however, because Card Kingdom is such a big and respected organization, you have an apparatus where they will resolve your issues and make it right with you. And that's very important to Card Kingdom to make sure that you have a good buying experience so that you come back to them. And it's important to us that we have a company that's supporting us that acts like that, that we can stand behind. Uh, And Card Kingdom is really good with uh, resolution of issues. So you aren't just left out in the cold. Uh, <laughs> Literally or figuratively in this yeah, case. Yeah, because if, when you order through private sellers and stuff, it can be a problem because if they just determine that they're not going to honor whatever or they decide for whatever reason, like, hey, that was your fault. Yep. Even when it wasn't, it was the post office or whatever. If you're not a huge business, sometimes you don't uh, resolve, resolve disputes uh, mm-hmm. in the best way. And Card Kingdom, we know, always does. So that's a good peace of mind. I like that a lot. Yep, absolutely. And of course, big thanks as always to Ultra Pro who sponsors this show. I just showed this Vorenklex playmat. Josh has a really beautiful one in front of him as well. Something about line slinging and Zendikar. Yeah, yeah. Don't get pushed off the edge by Nahiri. Um, (laughs) This is actually something that you mentioned earlier that I thought was really interesting is that, you know, every single time a new set comes out, Ultra Pro does something different or they'll have special art. In this case, Kaldheim has all these really cool, high contrast, very neat showcase frames. And every single time they might do something a little different, like that snow covered box that you have. So it's great because you don't have to buy Ultra Pro product all the time. But if there's something that catches your eye, it's good to just know, right? Okay, every time a set release comes along, let's check out what they have to offer. Maybe I've been looking up to pick up a new deck box or a new card bolt folder or whatever it is. 
at that point, you can be like, cool, that really matches my aesthetic, what I'm going for, and boom, chip in and get that. So it's cool. Ultra Pro has been around for so long. They're going to keep making quality products at the end of the day. So don't feel only rush needing to get something immediately, but just know that they're always there and always up to date with the magic products. Very well said. All right. Now it's time for the instep. Oh, this one's fun. I haven't seen it yet. I don't want to because I live close to the actual you place. You do live very close. <laughs> so uh, the instep where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I've written down a Netflix limited series, I guess, docuseries. Yeah, yeah they've been doing a lot of these. Yeah. It's called Crime Scene Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. <sighs> I'm getting the heebie-jeebies because I know this story pretty well. How The Cecil Hotel is like a mile and a half away from you maybe yeah so it's in the sort of famed skid row area of la yeah, near and, that and cecil hotel is as close to a haunted slash cursed place as it gets in that part of the city i think famously richard ramirez the night stalker lived yep. in the hotel for a number of years there's an interview with people that work at the hotel one of the managers i believe says she was a manager there for 10 years and in 10 years there were over 80 deaths just during her 10 years um so the Cecil Hotel is just... <laughs> I'm so sorry. That is just absurd. That's absurd. I mean, part of it is because part of the hotel is actually... Um, it's zoned as low-income housing. Uh, okay. And so that's... They will actually like place homeless people in part of the hotel as a place that they can live for cheap. Right. So, you know, there's obviously you know deaths will occur incidentally will occur. it's not all murder is what i'm sorry yeah to say. yeah but still goodness. there's definitely been like it's it's got a colored history as far as like scary yeah bad stuff that's happened there but this is a story specifically about one woman named oh boy i think it's eliza lamb yeah she's an asian lady that she comes from vancouver and she, i think vancouver or mm -hmm. and she's visiting la and she disappears but the disappearance is very odd because there is security camera footage from the hotel of her like acting kind of Blair Witchy, like freaky. Yeah, off. Yeah. Something's so, not right. So it's giving me goosebumps. It's a pretty me cool too, series. Dude. <laughs> it's a pretty cool series. Definitely, I don't know if you want to watch it like late at night right before you go to bed because <laughs> there's some scary moments, but it's definitely compelling and the storytelling's well done yeah. for the docuseries. So it will hold your attention. Um, uh, yeah, I I, it, I don't know if you're like me. Probably everybody out there is, A crime right? scene junkie? It's, well, not just that, but it's been a year of the pandemic. Yeah. We're really getting to the end of, like, stuff that we could <laughs> keep us occupied, right? Like, there's yeah. not... Like, I'm like, I don't know. We've watched everything mm -hmm. that seems even remotely watchable. And so when something comes out where you're like, oh, this is actually good, it's like such a sigh of relief. Even if it only yeah. gives you five hours of... Rest of res respite, respite, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're yeah. just like, okay, sweet. We can watch this because it's actually good. And it's like... I like how this is your respite, a vanishing of a death of yeah, a woman at like, a hotel. Whatever, like, well, I'm not just sitting here bored at home with nothing to do. At yeah. least I have a thing to do. And that's, like, worth a lot these days. Yeah, and I'd say the best, best part about this series is that this is a... I remember the video of, of the lady in the elevator. It's a famous viral video. It went pretty big for a while because this is an unsolved mystery. And that is the exciting part about the vanishing is like people don't really know what happened. By the end, they get to a point where I think they basically know, but like it, I don't want people to think like you get to the end and it's completely unresolved. Yeah. 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 But they don't actually like hundred percent know. They just pretty much know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was in 2013. It went like literally YouTube and Facebook communities like 
formed to like try and help solve it and stuff. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, it's called the van. Sorry, crime scene vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. It's on Netflix. Uh, I definitely recommend it as a good way to pass a night or two. Nice. Not uh, not super late into the night though. And, Do it yeah. in the early evening. <laughs> and not a night at the hotel in yeah. your safe place where you live. Hopefully with other people, so you feel safe. <laughs> far far away from that place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the cleanup step where we recognize everyone here at the team that has been putting in such great work uh, for all of our content. Our editing, graphics, and logistics team. We have Manson Long, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Alfred Destaka, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nahn, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Menacroft, and Sam Waldo. Whew. Ooh, good job, team. Good job, everyone. Keep cranking out that content. They're doing an awesome job. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations that begin and end our episodes and sit behind us sometimes here. And yes, this is... Very uh, fitting, by the way, Yeah, for I chose it on purpose because it's got the birds flying. Even yep. though it's, it's yep. the card days, it's <laughs> the, uh, which is a, uh, a counterspell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the flying birds just felt like spirits kind of yeah and they look even the same color palette as right yeah. now too yeah, yeah. For sure <laughs> uh yeah did i say you could find jeffrey on twitter at living cards mtg you did now okay oh, nice very nice all right everybody that's gonna do it uh for our budget upgrade series we're gonna be back very soon with what's the next set time spiral remastered we probably have some time in there so this will be one of those fun moments that maybe we can get in some of our yes uh, our normal episodes of command zone so yeah we know everyone loved it last time when we had two episodes to do so <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, so thanks for watching. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.